0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast, stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence, to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Welcome to another version of the Nonprofit Exchange. It's Hugh Ballou and my colleague, Russell David Dennis. How are you today, Russell?
1: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. We are doing great here in the Denver, Colorado area.
0: So, Russell, you and I have been doing this uh, for a while. Overall, the Nonprofit Exchange uh, started four years ago, and we have um, hundreds of episodes from really good people. And um, our guest today was here once before talking about a different topic, but we're talking about a related topic, and I thought it was so important we should invite him back and dig a little deeper into this intellect. You know, us old guys, we've earned, earned the right to talk about more than one thing because we've been around the block a few times. So let's welcome uh, Pip Patton. He's from the uh, Central Florida, Orlando, Florida area. So, Pip, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Actually, I'm in Tampa, technically, but uh, that still qualifies as Central Florida. Thank you. Thank um, <laughs> you. Yeah, I know where well,
0: that is. I used to live in St. Pete, which is I know
2: I, I know you line. did. I know you did. Yeah. So to, well, tell a little, us, a tell little us on my background, um, yes. I, I currently have a digital marketing agency which I've had here in Tampa. I co-founded with a partner uh, about 8 years ago. But in a in a former life, I was actually a Yellow Pages rep. So, I sold Yellow Pages back when the Yellow Page directory that everybody had in their ho- their house was the search engine of choice. And, uh, of course, that has now changed. But what was interesting about that is it gave me a lot of insight into a lot of different t- types of businesses. So since then, my focus has been helping local businesses primarily market themselves, uh, which is what I really enjoy doing. And because I found that the, the people who own local businesses are folks that I really enjoyed getting to know and working with and, and helping them succeed. And it, it was just very rewarding. Uh, you know, rewarding for me, rewarding for them, so it was good all the way around. And then when we spoke uh, a while back, we talked about uh, Google Grants, which are available to the nonprofit sector. Google Ads uh, uh, availability, f- at which Google will provide. And that's we can visit that again at some point. And then today, we I think we were going to talk about uh, the idea that our website's dead today. We and
0: are. that was that was our teaser he- headline yes we, it's it's about more than just one thing though so so talk of so where did you get this expertise from
2: well after after being in yellow pages and working with local businesses for a number of years, actually I did that for fourteen years i um I got out of that and uh, really spent a couple of years taking care of my mom who needed some attention at that time. And then in the process, I was very interested in all the technology. Google was starting to become, you know, uh, raising up and becoming well known. I remember having to wait early on to even get a Gmail address and for email because when they first started Gmail, they weren't, you, you know, you couldn't just, anybody couldn't just go any every day and get a Gmail account. You had to, get on the waiting list uh, uh, because they were rolling them out slowly, I guess, making sure things would work. So I remember waiting for that. And um, so I just began to, to learn more about, you know, websites and marketing online and, and how that could help local businesses. Because as I talked to local businesses that I knew and you know, they were, they were confused about, you know, should I have a website? Should I not have a website? You know, how, how am I going to market myself? Because Yellow Pages doesn't have people's attention anymore. Um, you know, TV and radio have become very fragmented. And it's all about, really, it, in today's world, it's all about where are people's attention? You know, where where are they? Where is their attention focused? And can I get my message in front of them? And today, really, people's attentions are on their phones, you know? These, this little device has changed the world. And, and as, mu- as powerful as this device is right now, within the next 10 years, it will become vastly more powerful and vastly more important, for, especially from a marketing standpoint.
0: Well, you gave us a couple of topics, you know, uh, our web- websites dead? But your overall uh, thought was, how do we create a sales funnel? Now, um, sales funnel. Now we're talking about a nonprofit Pip. Why do right. we need a sales funnel for a nonprofit?
2: Well, one one thing in particular that it can be used for is it can help uh, them in the fundraising arena. Because I mean, I've seen I've seen a lot of uh, nonprofits, and regular businesses that will spend money on advertising, Google ads, and other things, and all they'll do is they'll send that traffic to the home page of the website, and when they get to the home page of the website, it doesn't actually focus a visitor's attention any one place, and people get distracted very easily today, so when you land on somebody, the home page of somebody's website, you know, there's 42 things you can click on, drop down menus and social media links and all that stuff. And so in, in a lot of cases, people have wasted their advertising dollars just sending a visitor to the home page of their website. If they're trying to get them to maybe make a donation, maybe if they're running a, a charity golf event, they want somebody to sign up. Um, they want them to join a newsletter they want to announce uh, uh an event they have coming up uh if it's if you know maybe it's a holiday coming I know we've got Easter coming in a couple of months maybe they're starting to promote some Easter activities you know uh, when you when you're going to direct people t- for a particular purpose when wherever they land needs to speak solely to that purpose and in a lot of cases it doesn't that that's why I say the Website is kind of dead because a website is really just like a brochure As opposed to what we like to call a landing page Where you can direct somebody's attention for the purpose that you 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 got them there
0: Well, you're you're bringing them in from a noisy world and then you create more noise and they don't know where to go I'll give you an acronym that I I learned from uh, Tom Antion uh, who teaches speakers how to build businesses and Tom says Hits, H-I-T-S, is how how um, idiots define success. Hits, you don't care how, many, how idiots track success, you got it? Um, so it's not how many hits you got, it's how many conversions you have, how many donations. So websites, so I will agree with you, I see a lot of dead websites. So it's not really, and I've heard this from uh, one of the clients that I had where I used to live, who had a very large team and they produced big big web what they call web experiences like for state parks like for government like for universities and there wasn't wasn't just a pretty thing up there that Tom also had talked about web designers being propeller heads um, you know we create something that's pretty but it has no attractiveness no engagement factor so you've just hit on one of the big ones websites are in fact dead because we don't know how to engage people with this experience so let me throw that back in your arena. did any of those Prompts some comments?
2: Well, absolutely. And, 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 and that's just the case. That's what we're finding today that if, if, if people are going to send, let's say, uh, let's say a church has a large email list and they want to do an email promotion for a particular purpose. They have to send that traffic to a specific place if they want to get any, the results that they, they would like to have. And so, Um, a website itself is not going to get, make that happen. It needs a landing page. Now a landing page possibly can be part of that website or it's going to be a separate, like a mini website, which are what I like, what I call sales funnels are kind of like a mini website. And if you direct somebody there, then, then you, you have the ability to extract the, the result you're looking for because when they get there, they only have a couple of options either follow through and do what you're asking them to do or click away and go somewhere else. I mean, as an, as an example, outside, you know, in the regular for-profit sector, you know, there's a lot of companies, large and small, that spend huge amounts of money on ads online and Google in particular. All of them that are, that are serious spending significant dollars. And by that, I would say probably five figures a month or more. Are sending that traffic to what we call specific landing pages. So if somebody is, uh, if somebody, let's say it's uh, uh, an attorney, and he is advertising for a, um, you know, auto accidents or something, he wants to send that traffic to a specific page that talks about that topic. Maybe uh, uh, gives some of his testimonials and things. Talk that speaks to his credibility. And then they have an option, you, and usually in that case, two options. One is either to call him or to uh, send him a message asking for his uh, a consultation. Um, and, and an example, um, like in the e-commerce world, uh, here's a uh, like I can show you this later if you want, but uh, I've got a funnel that I created for a um, for Christian Family Life uh, recently, and all it's designed to do is to get people who are interested in, in uh, finding out about more about their um, small group study for it's a marriage, a marriage ministry called two becoming one. So I'm working with them on that. And then, um, and then I've done a, I recently did a, uh, uh, a funnel for a, a jeweler and cause jewelers are somebody who doesn't Really, they don't take much advantage of digital digital media at all. And one of the benefits of that is you can they can spice they can people can uh, choose to buy something and then in the order process you have the ability to get them to maybe buy, buy something a little extra. And uh, the same can be the same can be applied to the nonprofit sector. If somebody agrees to make a donation, as an example, then in the Checkout process. You can. You, there may be some other things that you could offer them that they might like to do and participate in that would generate more revenue for the nonprofit, and and uh, doesn't require any extra work on the part of the um, the person who's making the per- making the purchase or the donation. What I mean is we have a, a mechanism what we call it a one-click upsell. Um, and let's say you go to a page and you say yes, I want to. Well um, let's say you go to a page and you say, yes, I want to buy this item. Let's say you're selling a t-shirt. Okay. You want to buy a t-shirt. You put in your credit card information, you get ready to check out. And at the bottom, it says, there's this little box that says, Oh, by the way, would you also like to have a hat that matches their normally 25 bucks? Well, you can have one today for $15. And all you have to do is say, yes, check, do a check box and boom. They don't have to, go back and put their credit card information in again. So it's a really, it's a really powerful thing uh, because when people are, are, I've already made the decision to spend some money or make a donation. uh, In many cases you can, you can offer some other things that will entice them to um, spend more money or make further donations, maybe for a different, uh, a different purpose while they're in that, in that mindset.
0: Well, that re- that requires knowing what you want, Pip. So uh, I think building out the, uh, what, what Russ and I do is help people build their, their strategy so they know all the things they want to accomplish. Then somebody like you can help them pull it off. <laughs> we have this big gap between desire and implementation. Sure. And
2: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Part of, part of implementation is on your side. I'm going to ask you another question. I'm going to let the smart guy ask some questions, Russ. Is saving up his questions. So, um, and I'm promoting this this interview. If you're on Facebook, please share it with your friends. If you're listening to this podcast and don't see the pictures, uh, we're we're talking to Pip Patton, and uh, he's uh, he's an expert in many things. But we're talking today about creating a web experience, and that that websites are dead, but they don't have to be dead. Websites are um, an active, organic engagement tool. And we're talking right now about the the funding piece. We just say, "Oh, make a donation," but Pip, we don't really create the language, and we don't really make it a seamless and e- simple process. And you just you just mention as they're checking out, you could say, "Oh, by the way, would you want to support this?" Or the other option would: here's some committees. Here's a place you can volunteer. So you know you can have a, a they're they're investing and the outcomes of the organization but they also can invest with their time and maybe there's a way they could share this stuff with other people while they got they got their, the site open so i'm sure there's lots of things lots of tricks up your sleeve but i heard you say at the beginning of this that when people get there we we drive traffic that's one factor but what what do people do when they get there so what's the most important thing you can say to people thinking about updating or even beginning to build uh, a web experience for a nonprofit or church or some community public service organization. What's the the advice you'd give them as they're starting up?
2: Well, as they're starting up, I believe every business needs a website. You know, websites are dead. I always like to say websites are dead for certain purposes, but everybody should have one also as a general information point. Um, as far as a startup nonprofit, yes, I, I believe they should have a website that, when someone lands there, they can quickly understand what that nonprofit is about. You know what what's their purpose, what's their mission, what are they what are they why do they want to what are they trying to accomplish in the world.
1: Well, there's a lot to that, yeah. You know? And so, with the website being dead, you know, one of the things that really that confuses people and 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 leads to having them get stuck is the availability of so many different tools. And you talked, you spoke to the landing page, which is really a special purpose. But what are some of the other tools, in addition to the website, that are effective for nonprofits? And why do these work well together?
2: Well, one of the things right now is um, it's, we're probably at a point right now where it's easier to build a brand online than it ever has been before. And with that, and that really involves going, making a commitment into social media. And what I'm telling people today, I had a meeting with a young lady yesterday who used to be a Tony Robbins coach, and she's launching a coaching business of her own that she needs to be doing a Facebook live every day. And then take that video, whatever that is, it could be five minutes, it could be 10, 15, 20, whatever it is, download that video and put it up on her YouTube channel. Then go through that video and find the little nuggets of wisdom, you know, uh, 60 second clips and post those on Instagram. Then we'll take that video and we'll separate the video and the audio and we'll take the audio and put it up on a podcast. And then if, if we go even a step further, they can she can take and have the, uh, the audio transcribed and create a blog post for that. So now she's got multiple and pieces of the, the entire video or parts of the video can also be posted on their um, um LinkedIn profile. So now you now you have the ability to put out media on a on almost a daily basis to a whole bunch of different channels. Now why is that important? That's important because today, like I held up the phone before, it's a it's a it's a battle, if you will, or uh, to to get people's attention, and you don't know where the, everybody's attention is. You know, mine might be on Facebook. Yours might be in LinkedIn. Hugh might be on uh, uh, Instagram, you know, or some people are, spend a lot of time on YouTube. Some folks like to read, actually. You know, reading is still a thing that people do, I think, <laughs> especially if they're over 40. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, yeah, and Hugh happens to be surrounded by Yellow Page guys. I, I sold Yellow Page ads during my um, uh, college so once again, he's out on the fringes, but that's okay. We, we... <laughs> it's
0: like my worst
1: nightmare. We... <laughs> once again, out onto the fringes, and and so yeah, there's so many things that are here that we can use, and what we are all about here at CenterVision is strategy, and uh, you know, with all of these tools available. And you just mentioned uh, one way that somebody could take one single piece of content and spread it across uh, six platforms. Do you find that there's a lot of confusion out there about how to use uh, these platforms? And what's the best way to approach actually building a a social media strategy? Because you you really want to have a brand. And don't don't different people show up in these uh, multiple places? They do.
2: Uh, you, you know, you, 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 well, you certainly you want to know who your audience is. You know, you, you ideally, you know, as you guys know, if you're building a strategy, you want to you want to uh, create an avatar if you can. So, who, you know, who is that person that you're speaking to? Um, and you want to do the best you can with that. And as far as the social media strategy goes, I usually tell people because I, I work mostly in the for profit sector. I tell people to so put out your best content. You know, tell people the best stuff. Um, most people are not going to want to do it themselves. They're going to want to go find somebody who can do it for them. But the more you give your best information, the more you are establishing yourself as the expert and you become branded. You, you, you create content that people want to share, you know, and then the more they share it. What's interesting about Facebook is when you first start doing this, you know, you may not have anybody watching your, your Facebook live. But the more you do it, you know if the first time you do it, you get one person watching, the next time maybe it's two or three as of, as that number begins to grow slowly, Facebook realizes, hey, there are people staying on listening to this for five or ten minutes, we'll start showing it to more people, and of course, Facebook knows more about all of us than we would like anyway, so they're going to share they're going to share it with what they determine to be like-minded people <laughs> Who match up to the folks that are watching. So, you, your audience can grow, and all of that, it, it, it takes time to do it, but it doesn't take dollars to do that. And then, one of the great things about doing this type of strategy on social media is if you're doing video content and it's out there, you're going to find over time certain posts are going to get a lot more engagement than others. So, when you find a post that gets a higher level of engagement, then you can take download that video or parts of that video and use that in a paid advertising strategy because you already know the content that's gotten good engagement. So that's going to do better when you're putting money behind it than if you were just starting to spend money on a campaign, not really knowing if you had engaging, uh, you know, engaging ads or not. So it can, it can help you in that regard a lot, a great deal as well.
1: Well, it certainly makes sense. I mean, that's part of being effective is staying on track, tracking everything that you do. And that's one of the things we encourage people to do. So you've got all of these tools. So what would you say is really the best approach to building a brand, given that there's so many options there? How would somebody approach uh, building a brand?
2: Well, I think uh, just what I said, I would would set up a, a page, a Facebook page uh, around their around their their brand, and then I would be getting on there on a live basis, doing regular content uh you know if not daily, you know three or four times a week and it doesn't always have to be them themselves; it could be an interview like we're doing here now this is uh, actually a podcast that's being live streamed to Facebook, but it could just be somebody doing a one on one interview on Facebook with somebody within their niche. That they want that that they felt like their audience would be interested in what that person has to say. So, so I would just start there, and the 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 other means of taking that content and putting it other places is it may initially be challenging, technologically challenging for some folks, but you know, with a little bit of instruction, or you know, it's not that tough to really figure out. I I, I know of a couple of people probably would probably disagree with me, but overall, I think most people if you're if you're dedicated to building your brand and you have a you, you know where you're going, you'll get that part figured out
0: well, it's okay for people to disagree with you because you're not responsible for their low functioning um, <laughs> just to just to play into i'll brag on what we're doing here, just to play into what you're saying to show that it's practical. we are streaming live on Facebook we're recording on my computer, which then I will uh edit and put the the music and the brand on it. And then I will relaunch the video on YouTube. And then it goes around Russ even, and we put it on LinkedIn and Facebook and people review it. And the next couple of days you'll have several hundred views. And then in a few days it will launch on the audio podcast and we will take what you say, every word you say and transcribe it. So that goes into the podcast and into the webpage. We'll post on the webpage. By the way, the, the live stream of the, of the Facebook is streaming on your page on our website right now. And so if people go there and we've publicized that on all of our 250,000 contacts on social media, people go there, they don't have to register. They can just watch you on our very website. And so we are, we are repurposing live right now. And then before I go to sleep tonight, it'll be on YouTube and it'll be all over. And, um, People will be ringing your phone wondering who is this guy. No, Um, so you provide. We provide value to people every day, every week when we do these. These, and thank you for being a guest. But what I do find, Pip, is when I show up in a group of leaders, uh, people know who I am because I'm out there on the on the live stream. I'm out there on social media, and people don't always agree with what I say. But I subscribe to the uh, theologian Reinhold Niebuhr, who says, "Comfort the afflicted." And afflict the comfortable, so we can start things up a little bit. So um, this is this is so helpful. Um, and if people don't know how to do all these things, um, we will put into the window and you can and your your uh, your website address, and um, we will put in. Um, do you want us to put in your email too, so people know how to contact you? Sure, that's fine. Okay, and uh, Pip at SI, what is SI? Search Intelligence, that's my company. Dash5.com. So uh, we will put it into the notes for the interview. So I'm going to, I know Russ is anxious to dig deeper on some questions. So I'm going to throw it back to Russell.
1: Well, you know, this is all fascinating. And people look at social media, there's so many different platforms. There's so many uh, choices out there. So what would you say to a nonprofit leader that says, well, you know, we don't need all of that. We only need one. We'll, we'll just do Facebook. Nobody's looking at it. What What would you say to the nonprofit leader that approaches you and says that?
2: Well, I would say that uh, that's a good start, but it depends on. You know, my my attitude is this, and, I, I, and I'll hold up the phone to him as well, him or her as well, and I'll say, this is what holds most people's attention today. Everybody whose attention is here is not on Facebook. Some of them are watching YouTube videos. Some of them are on their Twitter feed. Some of them are on LinkedIn. There's a LinkedIn app on this phone. Um, some of them, a lot of people listen to podcasts when they're driving around doing things. Um, And a few people actually go to websites and read stuff still. So I would say, yes, you wanna be on Facebook. It's important to be on Facebook. And you wanna be on Facebook with video because video holds people's attention. Um, But you're really, you're you're kind of handcuffing yourself if you're gonna stick with just one platform. If you, you know, if you're going to put the work into doing that one platform, it isn't a whole lot more work to get that content out on a whole bunch of other platforms. I, ideally, I think somebody on their own could probably get this done in, in an hour a day once you kind of get, get used to doing it and kind of get a little system going. Before that, it's going to take longer. You know, it's going to, it's going to be burdensome until you fine tune it for yourself.
1: Multiple platforms, so... Multiple platforms. For, for nonprofits, and I know you work with a lot of different businesses, are there some that are a little bit better than others if they've got limited bandwidth as far as the amount of time or or people that they have to actually uh, sit and work the system or get it set up? Is there sort of an order of priority that, that works a little better for non-profits?
2: Well, I think... Um... Facebook and Instagram are huge, of course, and I think for a lot of people, LinkedIn is, a uh, hasn't really been utilized to the extent, extent that it could be, so, but if you, if you're going to do the Facebook content, it's not, like I say, it's it's just not a lot of extra work to take some of that stuff, some of that, some clips, or even a Uh, uh, some still shots from your video, if you will, and get them on Instagram. And then you can take that same video and post the video on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, however, you're going to be, you're going to do that um, probably on your personal profile, not, 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 not the business profile because people don't really find the stuff that's posted on the business side.
1: So, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's taking advantage of all of the different senses. I guess some some platforms are more visual, like a Pinterest and, uh, or right. an Instagram. I mean, those are, are very visual. So how important is it to play to all of the senses that people have in making your message stick, as it were, and, and reach more people?
2: Well, you want to you wanna mix it up. Uh, one of the things you can do... Um, and part of the advice I give people, too, is, you know, if you have your avatar, you know, what, what, what's the age bracket? You know, I mean, if, if you're dealing with 40 and under, you, you probably need to focus more your attention on Instagram. But if it's if it's, say, 35 and up, then maybe Facebook. I mean, there, there's a there's a <laughs> there's a saying out there now that, you know, the millennials aren't on Facebook. I don't believe that's true. I think they're there as well, even though they may Instagram may have their primary focus. Um, and you know, Pinterest. I, I don't do much with Pinterest. I think for certain niches, particularly e-commerce, it can be really good. I think it's good for jewelers. I think it's good for the wedding industry. Uh, it's you know certain things that are very visually oriented, even more than 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 Instagram is visually oriented. But you got play to with, play with different ones and then see which posts you do that get the most engagement. The other thing you can do is, in Instagram in particular, there's tools that allow you to search hashtags in Instagram. And if you know what your hashtags are, search those. Find out what the top performing posts are within that, um, on that platform. And then use those to help yourself model the posts you do. I know I have a of a, a young man that I know who's uh very proficient in Instagram, and he's really young, he's like, you know, he's like 21 years old. And so, you know, normally he's on there in uh you know t-shirts and jeans and flip-flops and stuff like that. Well, one he he was looking at a competitor and saw a competitor had done a post, young guy as well, dressed up in a a suit and tie. And and it and the post got huge engagement. So he did. He went out and got a suit and tie and did a post and it did better than anything else he'd been doing. So you can learn from what other people do. You're not going to copy, but you can model that success to help gain more success for yourself. Does that kind of what help him answer that a little bit? Well, that
1: does. And the hashtag gives people things to search through and, but you know, the thing that I'm seeing more and more and more is video. So talk about the importance of video, because I know for nonprofits, it's about telling a story and an engaging one. So why is it really important for them to use video? And are there some things that would be more effective where video is concerned?
2: Well, video is important because it will hold people's attention longer. Um, The one most important thing about video when you do it is the sound needs to be really good because people, um, even if if the visual part of it's good, if the sound is poor, people won't stick around and listen. There's another trick with regard to Facebook as well that's interesting to know, is that most people who watch videos on Facebook on their mobile device do so with the sound off, so probably 70%. So uh, it's a good idea to um, take... Take the make the effort to close caption that video. That way, you can get your message across to people even when they don't have the sound on. That's an extra step, more work, but certainly uh, can be well worth it. But videos need to be real. If they're too slickly produced, you'll lose people. Um, I know a, a story that I that I'm fond of telling is of a friend who's. Has an online business uh, and she lives in the Northeast. And you know she's she's a mom. She's got like four kids, I think. And she's always really busy. And she had been trying to get out this video post for a week, and it was just always something going on. You know, the dog was sick, or one of the kids were sick, or something was going on. And finally, she just said, "I got to get this done." So she didn't have time to even do her hair. Didn't put any makeup on. She had her, her sick son sitting on her lap turned on her, her webcam and her microphone and did it. And that post got more engagement than anything she'd ever done because it was real. People could relate to that. And so I really think in, in, all, in any arena that you need to have content that people can relate to because if video is too slick then everybody thinks they can't do it or it's, it's too, it's too, it's too well-produced, so to speak you can have some of that but it's nice to have just the 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 stuff that's real and you pull out your you pull out your your iphone or your what your mobile phone and you shoot some video and that can be really really engaging and very effective
1: well it looks like all that red carpet footage for Hugh from Sunday night don't have to stay in the vault there so. <laughs> have to keep that put away, you know, and so all of this all of this material that we put together and all of the ways that we bring this information together is to tell a story that's relatable to people, and so you have all of this. Now, uh, back to the whole topic of a sales funnel because we want people to become more and more engaged, so you attract more at the top, and as you bring them in, hence the concept of a funnel. Talk a little bit about some of the things that nonprofits would would use a funnel for. I know some of it is to engage donors. What are some of the other uses of the sales funnel, and and what sort of messaging would go into that?
2: Well, the uh, the messaging could be, you know, really whatever they're trying to promote at that time, whether it's, like you say, whether it's, uh, you know, raising funds, or whether it's uh, attracting volunteers, it could be promoting a particular event, um, and uh, the best way to do a sales funnel is just put one together um, that's a single one focused on that one topic. And um, it's it's really like you say it, it's all about the strategy. You know what what are you what are you trying to accomplish, and then How do you, um, you know, and the other thing that's really important on these, on these uh, sales funnels is the social proof. Um, Social proof is really everything uh, in today's uh, social media world. You know, when, when you're pulling out, you talk about doing the video before, when you're pulling out your video and you're having an event or you're doing somewhere, you want to, you want to get some, some comments from other people. Uh, that are not necessarily a part of the organization, but they're they're fans of the organization, or they're 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 the people who come to the church, they're the people who support the charity, they're the people who volunteer for the charity, they're the people who are recipients of some of the charity's good works. All of that, as much as you can, needs to be captured, pictures, video, and then that needs to be a part of that sales funnel. So when you direct traffic there, that there, people can see all of this evidence that, hey, I'm here for a particular reason. I'm here to donate some funds for this. And then you, you see an overwhelming amount of social proof saying, hey, these guys really do good work, and, and, and here's the evidence of that. And it makes, it makes it easy for people to say yes and, and, and take the next step.
1: So that's really powerful where social media is concerned is to have your friends recommend you. I mean, that's, that's probably the best, uh, best thing you can get out there. People who are talking about why they support that nonprofit and more people that, that the audience can relate
2: to. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's just so important. That's so important today. I, as I mentioned, I'm doing some work for, uh CFL right now for a marriage ministry, and that's what we're our whole focus of attention right now is gathering social proof for people who have been through this marriage ministry and the, and the positive results they've received. So we want to gather all that before we before we make the the, the next big uh, you know marketing push. You know, sometimes it's funny to say marketing when you're talking about a nonprofit, but still, it's marketing. It's getting getting the message out.
1: Well, well, yeah, I mean, if, if nobody knows what good work you're doing, uh, they can't support you, so.
2: That's but, right. We have an
0: aversion to some principles, and we have an aversion in, in nonprofits and churches, or in fact nonprofits, that um, we don't want to sell. Well, what is evangelism? We don't want to market. What is, what is evangelism? Uh, you know, we don't, we, people don't give. Well, have we told them what's going on? Have we told them about the impact of our work? So I think interviewing people and um, and getting third-party testimonies is excellent. However, we have to give them a, a format to talk in because they'll just talk about fluff unless we say talk about what you needed and talk about what the impact was or talk about what the results were that you saw. So i say a little bit about how when we, when we do get people to talk about us and we post this, now, this is sort of... Uh, we started out talking about our websites live, but we've, we've talked about a, a, a web presence, really. And your website is sort of your credibility piece. It's, this is what we do. This is what we're about. But you're talking about your website is not just on that one platform. Like, like our work of our nonprofit, our church, is not behind the four walls. And, and so there's a whole lot of other pieces about marketing that I think Russell is, is spot on. I mean, it's, it's essential to how do you connect with people.
2: Exactly. Um, I I think one of the best ways, like you said, to, to make sure that you're just not getting fluff and words and whatever is you have to ask questions, specific questions. Um, so if you're gathering, if you're gathering, if you're doing a video interview or you're just even if you're just walking around an event with your with your uh, mobile phone, you know, asking people some questions, ask some questions and get their answers because then you're not just gonna get, oh, this is great, wonderful, terrific, I'm happy to be here, and blah, blah, blah. You're gonna say, you know, what have you seen today that made the biggest impact on you? Um, that type of thing, or, or um, have you thought of somebody else, a friend that you really want to know about this? Um, that, or if you're talking to a part, someone who's been the recipient of the, um, of the good works of that organization, Talk to them and say, how how has this uh, impacted your life? How has this helped you uh, at home? How has this helped you with your children? So you get some specifics in there and not just fluff, as you said.
0: And it's not not that we're programming them, but we're helping them focus on what's important. So I'm going to let Russ have another go at you, then we're going to do a sponsor moment. And then uh, Pip will give you a chance to have the last word, a tip or whatever. But Russ, uh, what else do you have on your heart you want to ask him to talk about?
1: One of the things we talked about in the Colorado Speakers uh, Academy was uh, in messaging. Uh, it's, It's trying to find out what you want people to know, feel and do as a result of the message. What are what would be the, the advice that you would give to nonprofit leaders specifically to hone in on, on accomplishing those three things? Are there certain best practices that serve a nonprofit more so than it would serve a commercial entity, for an example?
2: Well, I think they're they're largely the same, but anybody who's leading a nonprofit is already in most cases, somebody who is comfortable speaking because they're, they're having to get up in front of people and speak. So it's, it's just getting comfortable turning that, turning that webcam on and talking to a Facebook audience when you're not actually seeing a person right in front of you. That's why the, and interviews can be helpful, like we're doing here on the Zoom platform, because then at least you have another person to speak to. But it's it's really and then focusing on the message that you want. But the other thing is that's really really effective is telling stories. It's really important to tell to get your message told in a story format because people love listening to stories, but they don't um, they don't like being lectured to. <laughs> so if you can get your message across in a compelling story, then it, you're going to be you're going to be a lot more effective.
1: You know, that was one of the takeaways from our mastermind. Yeah, we have a group, uh, One Business Connection here in Denver that meets. And, uh, you know, somebody will share a challenge. And we had one of our members actually looking at updating some of her material on social media. And she had written something out very carefully, and it was slick. It was sort of polished. And so when the question was posed, why is she doing this? Uh, you know, her authentic self came out and <laughs> she talked for about 45 seconds. And one of the members said, why didn't you write that down? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just, it was just, it, it was smooth. She was just, it was seamless. She was really into that. And, and so it came out very well. And, uh, do you find that people feel like they have to polish, uh, stuff up because maybe they're uncomfortable. Uh, being on camera, even if they're the only person in the room, is sort of like this speaker anxiety where they, they're they afraid to talk into the camera. So uh, well, uh, sure. how do you address that?
2: Well, I, what I tell people is the same thing I tell myself, because I'm not comfortable doing it either. It's just, we got to do it. And, you know, whether it takes you 10 times or 20 times or 30 times, once you do it enough, you're going to find your voice and you're going to, you're going to get a good understanding of how you need to present information, the kinds of stories that you're good at telling and and that kind of thing. It's just, well, you know, just like you say, with the speakers bureau, people don't walk in there. If they've never, they've never really done any speaking, but always wanted to, they're going to be bad when they start. And, you know, practice, practice gets you better. I mean, I used to play competitive golf and I, (laughs) If you've ever played any golf, you know that when the first time you pick up a club, everything you do is totally wrong, but you got to learn those fundamentals and then you got to practice. So it's just it's just practice. But the nice thing about it is with social media, people are intimidated by and large, and so if they see somebody not looking quite so polished or maybe stumbling over their words a little bit, it, it they're okay with that i mean it's kind of like that's real and and real can be very compelling and you can draw an audience by being a real authentic person saying that you know i could do that
1: (laughs) well i I don't think they'll mistake you and i for for uh uh johnny carson and egg mcmahon with a tad but i think we hold our own here and yeah and get a message out to folks that that uh that resonates with them, and that's what we hope to do and and finding finding other people that are doing some of this type of stuff might be helpful so do you recommend having people get a support system or you know maybe? talk to somebody that, uh, that has done this type of stuff? Or how about some of the volunteers in the organization? Do you find that when you work with nonprofits that some of them have volunteers on board that are really savvy with this stuff, who can uh, interface with someone like you to, to bring the image to life for a nonprofit?
2: Well, in this arena, I can't say I've worked with enough of them to, to have that experience. Um, I'm working real solidly more with one right now, and they do have some volunteers that are helpful in this arena, but it still largely falls to the head of the organization, to in most cases, the, most the nonprofits, least ones that I've been involved with, they don't have real big staffs, so it's, there's not a lot of people. Even if there's volunteers, volunteers don't have a huge amount of time. So it's just it's just it's learning how to put it together in, in, into a system that you can create for yourself. So like I said, once you get it down, you could probably do a, do a Facebook a live video, parse it out to the different platforms and get it all done inside of an hour. if you just kind of if you know if you've done it before and th- know what you're doing, it just takes a little bit of time, like everything, to learn those steps.:
0: Speaking of an hour. Um, you know, we can multiply ourselves if we learn to lead um, a whole team. And um, so I want to let you have the last word. I want to talk about our community for a minute and our, our learning programs. But Pip has opened up a topic that's sort of a really, really important topic that we think, oh, we'll just get some kid to put up a pretty looking website. Well, we haven't developed a whole integrated program, and part of what we don't do either is define who we are, identify our brand, our brand value, our brand image, our brand promise. Um, <clears throat> so, um, so um, we need to identify. just had a little technical glitch here. We want to identify who we are. So let's 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 what what we have at, Inter- at center vision is a whole integrated process and you know you are doing things differently in the web presence in the social media presence and the you know letting people um integrate with us and and engage people and it's so critical in the nonprofit space now we have a we have a website um called centervisionleadership.org that you went there to fill out the form we are building it out and um, we've done a pretty good job of uh, the SEO, but we've also invite people to join and Pip, you should join. You can join for free. And if people join Center Vision Leadership uh, for free, they get huge leadership program called the five pillars of success. So we just don't want you to come look around. We want you to come join us. And there's conversations, there's forums, there's uh, videos like this. We have webinars. We have um You can take a course to learn how to build your strategy and how to empower your team, even how to generate income for your charity. And so we have a a team of experts who are on there to help you do a better job. So, Tip, I think we've we've begun, we're not at perfection, we have begun implementing the things you're talking about. And I will say that I resonate with everything you shared today. It really works. So we call this interview process, which is our interview. And Pip, you're also welcome to write for the magazine the nonprofit the non, nonprofit Performance magazine. but we call this interview the Nonprofit Exchange. And you're part of a long history of really really good presentations. so thank you for today. So if people want to find out, take this name the nonprofit Try to make it easy the. Nonprofit Exchange. It's the exchange of ideas, and we're a nonprofit. It's .org. You go there, you'll see. Boop. Here's here's SI, and here's the interview for Pip. You can click on the button at the bottom. You can get archives of several several of these interviews. If you join the community, you'll get all of the interviews. Um, but at the top of that page, when you go to the Nonprofit Exchange, there's a blue button. It says Join. Now, doesn't mean we're coming apart. You don't need to join us that way, but you need to come in and play with us. So join for free, check it out, and then look at one of the, the paid memberships because it magnifies. What you get magnifies. So it's an exponential value as you as – you, up to having live, live Q&A with you and, and ultimately Russell and some more team members every week. you got problems – you're on there with a whole bunch of non leaders and you're helping each other solve problems. So it's a guided mastermind group. So in the South, Pip, we say none of us is as smart as all of us. I just say that because Russ is not in the South and you're in Florida, which isn't the South either. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so as, as we wrap up here, we want people to join the community because we're better together. And every Thursday at 3, if you're a member at a certain level, we get to work together. And every Thursday at 3, there's important things that, I, that happen that my jaw drops. So come and join us. It's, try it out. Put your toe in the water. We're, we're coming up to the hour, Pip. So what thought or tip or challenge do you want to leave people with as a parting thought?
2: Okay. Well, I would, uh, I would challenge everybody to get out there on social media. Go do a Facebook Live. Start there, get get a little comfortable with that, and then, and then you can figure out a way to parse that, that material out. You know, as Hugh said, take the video, put it on YouTube, take pieces of it, put it on Instagram, stick it on on LinkedIn, and all that. And Hugh, if it's okay, can I make can I make an offer to your group, sure. our audience?
0: And you'll send me a link, and we'll put it in the uh, put it. Okay. In.
2: Anybody, uh, I will offer to create sa- a, a sales funnel for three or three nonprofits for no charge. Um, so the first three that contact me as a result of this interview, um, just con- you can, they can uh, contact me via email, pip at si-5.com. And I will, do, uh, I will put together, I'll help them strategize that funnel and put together a sales funnel for them uh, for no charge.
0: I don't think Russ and I could take the first two. That wouldn't be fair. <laughs> so that's very generous. Your your email is on the, the page on the nonprofit yes. exchange. So is your website? There's a link to both of those. So Russ, thank you so much for being here. Russ will close us out today.
1: Well, thank you very much, Pip. It's been very enlightening. And as always, an hour flies by here uh, on the nonprofit exchange. So be sure to check out our website, CenterVisionLeadership.org, and the blue button doesn't just say join; it says join today. Don't wait. Get right in. Get the value. Uh, <clears throat> come visit us, a, and as we grow in this community, uh, Sandy will probably be reaching out to you, Pip, because our next issue, a nonprofit uh, professional performance 360 magazine, is about branding. So she would love to have an article from you. And we're very grateful to Sandy who keeps us organized there and, uh, and to all of you who've come out and joined us from week to week. The Nonprofit Exchange is available in the iTunes store and on Stitcher. Make sure you subscribe to the Nonprofit Exchange podcast and visit our website regularly for all sorts of value-added content. And so this is Russ Dennis for Hubaloo. Thank you for joining us again. And we will see you here at the same time and place next Tuesday. Keep making a difference and making lives better for others out there.